police in the morning. Everyone's favorite Christmas caper is now on all-new DVD with an armory of special features, including an all-new on-camera interview with Macaulay Culkin, multiple deleted scenes, never-before-seen featurettes, great games, and an audio commentary with director Chris Columbus and Culkin. Featuring a cast of comic greats including Culkin, Catherine O'Hara, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, and John Candy, this charming film about a boy left behind when his family rushes off for Christmas vacation can unscrooge just about everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. We review B-Movies with our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. Here we are, week four of childhood memory, I think. Yeah, childhood memory is Christmas. I mean, it's December, so. Yeah, and uh, only two of them are Christmas themed. <laughs> We're taking a look at the... One was about cats, one was Dragon Ball Z. It's a weird month. Home Alone from 1990. You know, not a B-movie, but a, a classic and a part of just about everyone's childhood memories. So, let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. Paul, it was your choice for this movie, so why don't you start us off? Well, let's start with the bottom three first. So, number three, the police... Oh. In, you, you heard with the back of the... The Family Fun Edition DVD case had to say, by the way. Yeah, I wish I had this on VHS so I could have read, like, what the actual description was. I think I have it somewhere, but it was, like, recorded from the TV. So, so anyway, back to your bottom three. It just says Home Alone and Sharpie. <laughs> so if I ever find that, I'll read that out. Memorex 90 minutes. <laughs> so number three. The police in this movie are so fucking incompetent. They act like Kevin's mom is so unreasonable for wanting them to do a wellness check on their son, who's eight and stuck at home because they left him there when they went to France. When they went to France and they live in Chicago. Yeah, like, they're like, oh, this lady, they call her, like, hyper or something like that. It's like, oh, this fucking bitch, you know, she keeps fucking this better kid. It's like, what the fuck, guys? Like... This, this is, like, a perfectly reasonable thing. And then when a cop finally does go to the house, he, like, knocks twice and goes, they need to recount their kids or something like that. It's like, dude, like, he's fucking eight years old. Like, that's... That that police officer in the movie's like, when I get a fucking package from the post office, and I just get a, I just get a note in the mailbox that says, we tried to deliver this package, but nobody, home, nobody was home. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm working from home. I was here. You did not try to deliver my package. Whenever your package is broken and, like, dented because they just let it tossed it out of the UPS truck, that's the equivalent of this cop. It's just, like, absolutely awful. Like most of the other characters in this film. Going to awful people. How the fuck did Harry and Marv fucking, like, survive all these traps? Like, by all means, they should have died, like, ten times over. Which fucking, they deserve. Because watching this movie as an adult, the idea that they, like, turned on all the faucets in their house and just let it run, like, they blocked the sink and everything, is the most evil act I could possibly imagine. Like, you know how much damage that did to the floors and everything else? Like, what the fuck, Harry and Marv? Like, as a kid, I'm watching, like, oh, that's that's weird. Like, why would they do that? Now, watching an adult, like, oh my god, the damage. Like, Well, that's what, like, even Harry's like, Marv, you fucking asshole. Like, why would you do that? 
But, I mean, he doesn't go back in and turn the shit off, so, you know, he's to blame, too. It's true. Marv and Harry have to be two of the most evil fucking characters in all of fictional history. <laughs> and number one, the McAllister family just fucking sucks. They treat Kevin like absolute shit, you know? They blame him for ruining their vacation or whatever, like... All that happened was Buzz is being a, being a jackass. Fucking Kevin's eight. He pushes him, spills a little bit of milk. The dad fucking knocks over the soda bottle, and then Kevin gets blamed for that. And fucking, fucking Uncle Frank, who's just the worst person ever, he, like, gets up in a panic, pushes his chair against his own son, like, slams the poor little guy's glasses and everything against the wall. Then he goes to Kevin, look what you did, you little jerk. I'm like, fuck you, Uncle Frank. You did that, Uncle yeah, Frank. Yeah, you're a fucking asshole. Like, no wonder fucking Fuller keeps pissing himself like the age of, like, fucking six or seven. Like, you're a fucking terrible dad. Like, okay, Marv, Harry, and Uncle Frank are, like, some of the most evil people in all of fictional history. <laughs> Well, for me, number three, I don't know if I've ever caught before in the church conversation that old man Marley says he lives next door to Kevin and the McAllisters. Now, seeing as how old man Marley is always out and about in the neighborhood doing good deeds like salting the sidewalk, chopping people up and putting them in his trash can, like, wouldn't he notice that Kevin is home alone and... Everybody's like, we called everybody in the neighborhood. Everybody in the neighborhood. Well, obviously, no one called fucking old man Marley because he's home. Maybe nobody else is, but old man Marley is there. Get over the serial killer rumors and call him. You know, maybe, maybe he could teach Kevin a couple things about hiding a body. You know, watching this movie, I can't, couldn't help but think... It would have been a great twist if it turned out old man Marley actually was a serial killer. And at the end, instead of, like, hitting Harry and Marv with a shovel, he just, like, grabs a machete and, like, chops him into pieces. <laughs> this would have been the greatest thing he ever had. Would have made the sequel that much more entertaining with, with Marv and Harry coming back <laughs> Zombie from the Marvin dead. <laughs> Number two. This is, this is the question I have every time I watch this movie. Everybody else asks, oh, how could they forget their child? How could they? No. How the fuck did Kevin get the groceries back to the house? Like, he's walking down the street, and the bag's ripped. Everything's on the sidewalk. It's not like he has two or three things. Like, he has more stuff than his cumulative mass. Like, or his cumulative volume, I guess I should say, because mass would be weight. Like, probably how, more than that. <laughs> how, how is he going to get that stuff back to the house? Where is he in relation to the house? Is he right outside of the house? Like, somebody explain it to me. How the fuck did the groceries get back to the house with nobody noticing this child alone carrying the stuff back? Namely, old man Marley who lives right next door to the McAllisters. Yeah, and we know that he definitely didn't just ditch it because he's got the laundry detergent, he's got the mac and cheese dinner, like... Yeah, like, I mean, I've had my groceries break, like, outside my house. My God, that is a pain in the ass as a full-grown adult to fucking carry that shit all the way and your face scooping into your arm. But, like, poor little Kevin, like, like, yeah, how, how did that happen? Number one, there is no way that Kevin ran home from church, drew up his plans prepared everything and had time to microwave his craft macaroni and cheese dinner in one hour 
before Marv and Harry assault the house. Because when he leaves that church, it tolls eight times. That means eight o'clock. Marv and Harry, at nine o'clock, that's when the bell goes off in the house, and he gets his BB gun, and he's like, I gotta defend the house. There is no fucking way this kid got all that shit done in one hour. I really hope Kevin went to school for, like, engineering or something like that, because, man, he's... That's talent for for a little kid. That was, that's really impressive. I mean, I can barely, like, like build a birdhouse, and he's fucking, like, building building these traps and everything to catch these people. He's got a fucking trebuchet. <laughs> I know, right? Like, just amazing. So, on to, on to the top three. What were the, the best parts of this movie? Paul, how about for you? For number three... Kevin has some really great one-liners throughout this film, like, for a little kid, he's pretty clever, and it's true in this one, it's true in the next one, and just, he just comes up with these ideas, and like, almost, like, I remember watching this as a little kid, like, wow, I can barely, like, you know, like, I tried building a gingerbread house once, like, watching this movie, it didn't come out well, so watching, like, this kid, like, build, my, the same age as me, building all these elaborate traps, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm just a stupid piece of shit now, aren't I? But, like, it's, it is very entertaining. I mean, I couldn't even tie my shoes till <laughs> I was in the fourth grade, like, this was amazing. Yeah, it's like, so I gotta say, Kevin's, like, something to live up to if you're, like, under the age of eight. Or even, even beyond that, like, I, I wish I was, like, that clever, even as a full-grown man. <laughs> like... So yeah, there's that. Number two, I love the movie that plays within this movie that Kevin's watching. It's and it's this parody of a violent gangster movie called Film Angels, Noir. Yeah, film noir film with like called Angels with Filthy Souls, and it's just so over the top and so quotable. It's amazing. And what's even better is like in the second film, there's a sequel to it playing called Angels with Even Filthier Souls. It's just it's such a great like. It's so classic, and it's so memorable. I, just, I love everything about it. Number one, Kevin's traps in general are just so entertaining to watch. Like, it, it's it's no wonder this movie's a classic. Like, everyone remembers at least a few of them. And, like, they may not be realistic, and by all means, they would have killed Harry and Marv, but, you know, it's still really entertaining to watch. And, you know, good for him for defending his house. Yeah, and to that note, Mythbusters did do did test the traps from Home Alone, and certified that like ninety percent of the traps would kill Harry and Marv. It's even more insane in the sequel because one of them is he just chucks a rock off a building at Marv's head. It's like four times. Like there is no way he survived with that. So for me, number three, I'll I'll keep it pretty short. Like Paul said, the, the fun dialogue. Kevin's got some good lines. Harry and Marv have some good lines. Everybody's got a good line or two. Even Uncle Frank, the way he delivers, you know, or when they're on the plane and he's like, I forgot my reading glasses once. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> like, he, he equates Kevin to a pair of fucking reading glasses. His best lines from the second one when he's like, get out of here, you nosy little pervert. I'm going to slap you silly. <laughs> Um, number two, the traps. They're, they're ingenious. They're fun. It's all household stuff. And things that, again, as, as a child, when you're watching, you're like, I could put that together. I could stop the bad guys. Yay. For me, number one is Harry and Marv. 
Yes, they are despicable. Yes, they are some of the most evil human beings on the face of the earth. But that's what makes them amazing characters. And Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern together are just an awesome duo. They play so well off each other. And, like, I just, I don't understand how, how Harry and Marv, the characters, got together and how Harry puts up with Marv. But they do. They balance each other so well. They're part of some kind of experiment. And, really, without them, there would be no Home Alone. Like, I've seen Joe Pesci in a bunch of other movies, but the only other movie I think I've seen, um, the guy who played Marvin was Chud. He was in... Yeah, he, he was in Daniel Chud. Stern was in Chud? He was definitely in Chud, because I remember watching Chud thinking, it's Marv from <laughs> Wasn't he in... I think he was in the movie Screwed or something, like one of those... Might have been. One of those 90s movies. Well, apparently he was asked to be in, um... Home Alone 4, because apparently there's four of these movies. I thought there were like five now. There might be. I think uh, Disney Plus is making another one or something like that. I remember but watching the third one. It's awful. One time, like, as a child when it first came out, I was like, this is terrible. Yeah, like, we watched even... it in school once, because, like, we would never have watched it on our own. But, like, um, yeah, he, he was asked to be in the in the fourth or fifth or whatever one. He, he read the script, he goes, no, this is an abomination. <laughs> so good on him. Like, defending well, this, his, the original. We both talked about it, so let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. I'll start us off with, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. You're such a disease. Excuse me, puke breath. I'm a lot smaller than you. I'm going to feed you to my tarantula. You're what the French call les incompetents. I'm going to give you to the count of three to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property. This is ridiculous. Only a wimp would be hiding under a bed, and I can't be a wimp. I'm the man of the house. Sandy don't visit funeral homes, little buddy. That ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie or anything else you'd like to leave, tell us about it. Leave it in the comments below. It's time to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale. 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 4 out of 10. I gave it a 3 out of 10. So Home Alone is one of those movies with an incredibly long wait time that amounts you know, to one of the best payoffs in film history, I think. Everything leading up to Harry and Marv's break-in seems fairly tedious, and truthfully, if I had Kevin's family, I'd probably want them to be gone too. But once the break-in starts and the mayhem ensues, the movie really dives into high gear. Unfortunately, it's not really that long of a portion of the film. This highly unbelievable situation does make for a fun family Christmas romp that can be enjoyed through the years, but don't watch it too many times. Because I watched it at the beginning of the month with my wife, and then I tried watching it again to do this review, and it was such a chore to watch this movie, which is sad to say, because I have such fond memories of it as a child. Home Alone is a Christmas classic that just about everybody has seen at least once. I remember watching it as a kid with a cup of hot chocolate and probably leftover pizza, and absolutely loving it. As an adult, it doesn't quite live up to what I remember. It's not a bad movie by any means, but... I can definitely see more of the flaws in it, and it's hard to look past it now. 
like the fact that Kevin's family is just fucking awful in almost every way. Nearly everyone is incompetent, except for Kevin at, for making traps. And everything could have been solved immediately if someone had just called the police. The setups are, are to Kevin's traps are still entertaining, even if they're unrealistic, and I can't deny I have a lot of nostalgic love for this film. Even if I personally love the second one a lot more, this film is undeniably great and a classic. And, well, I'd watch it again if I have a cup of hot, of hot chocolate on a snowy day with some leftover pizza from Pizza Hut. Why didn't they just call Kevin? Why did they, they call the house? I did think they, they called tried, the house. I don't remember. Like, did he not pick up? Did they leave a message? Did they say, Kevin, call the police so we know you're safe? Like, I don't. I don't think they did. They're terrible fucking people. They never wanted to find... They really never wanted to find Kevin. Probably. Just his mom. His mom's the only one that really wanted to get there. Dad was like, eh, let's enjoy our time in Paris. Mom's she like, just, no. She no. just wanted to be a groupie for some polka band. I mean, I'd be a John Candy groupie if I had the chance. Wouldn't you? Well, that's Tra- dead. <laughs> travel with, with the Mog. <laughs> that would be great. Half man, oh, half dog. <laughs> his own best friend. So... Whether you loved it, hated it, want to have more fun or forget about it, we always have ways to drink away this flick. Drink away this flick. So come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away this flick. Boom, 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 boom. We'll get some drinking games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time Harry's tooth sparkles, take a drink. Number two, every time someone is on the phone, take a drink. Number three, whenever Kevin wakes up or gets out of bed, take a drink. Number four, anytime someone speaks French, Take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's Childhood Memories Month, every time something happens that should kill a character but doesn't, take a drink. Every time the statue in front of the the McAllister house falls over, take a drink. Every time you see a Christmas tree, take a drink. Every time Angels with Filthy Souls is playing, take a drink. Every time Kevin talks to himself, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away this flick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else Beamer related, you leave us a comment either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com. Also on Twitter at bmoviebros. My first Twitter at bmoviepaul. Check, you can check out all of the content, including reviews, interviews, and chats. Website bmoviebros.com, where we have new stories each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links right below. Well, we've come to the end of week four for December, childhood memory, Christmas, whatever the fuck month. Um, let's rank these movies, and I think it's a, it's kind of an upset in the rankings that I didn't think was going to happen. In the number four spot, I had to put Home Alone. Really? I just... Wow. Uh, us. I, I, it was such a chore to watch it this time. Number three, Bardock, the father of Goku. It's a good movie. I don't have the nostalgia factor. I appreciate it, but for my enjoyment of Dragon Ball Z, there wasn't enough screaming and no yelling of special moves. Number two, Cats Don't Dance. Yesterday, while doing dishes, a week after watching the movie, I just I just started singing um, one of the songs, which I've now forgotten again. But, like, they randomly pop this up in my so head forgettable. now. <laughs> Cats Don't Dance with a Bardock. I mean... I have the nostalgia for it. And then number one was Jingle All the Way. I mean, it was just a very relatable movie as an adult and a film that I got more jokes as an adult than I did as a child. And I think it was may have been written that way. 
Your number four, Catstone Dance. Um, I think I saw it once as a kid, but it was so forgettable that I don't even remember it. And then I forgot about it completely until a couple weeks ago. It wasn't big and loud enough for you. Nope. <laughs> Not even close. Number three, Home Alone. I still have a lot of love for this film, but it didn't quite... Maybe it's because I remember having such high expectations for it that it could only disappoint, but it just wasn't what I remembered it being. And, I mean, I... I, maybe I, I kept getting confused with the second one, which I like a lot more, but yeah, it's it's still good, but not the classic I remember. Number two, Jingle All the Way. It's just, it was a lot better than I remembered. It was fun even watching as an adult. Number one, Bardock, Father of Goku, because I have a lot of, lot of fun memories watching this. It's a um, movie I must have watched at least a dozen times, times as a kid, and... It's just awesome. It's got such a such a unique story, even for a Dragon Ball Z film. It's surprisingly deep, and Bardock's a pretty awesome character overall. It's uh, sad that he's only in that. Well, let's just pretend he's only in that movie because every subsequent showing of him is terrible. So yes, this is the only appearance of Bardock ever. So that concludes December Childhood Memories Month. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone. Next month, if you know anything about how we do things here, is January, and that's Paul's birthday month. So you'll have to tune in next year or, you know, just read the title of whatever movie we're reviewing to find out what we're going to talk about next week. Will it be Kaiju part number seven, eight, or whatever? Who knows? So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get on the next one. I'll see you in a little bit.